0: creatives welcome to another episode of unpublished my name is amy i'm james and today we're going to talk about um how we don't need large social media followings in order to be uh, successful creatives abundant creatives and financially stable creatives um but before we dive into that topic i thought we'd just um kind of catch up and let you know where we are at the moment creatively in our lives because i feel like james needs to unpack some stuff
1: yeah i'm in the worst possible part of the creative journey which is when you've finished a project and you have to do fucking something with it mm. and it just sucks
0: yeah it, there's no none of that good endorphins of creating something and feeling like wow you know i just made something today you've just got to go through this vulnerable part of trying to let people connect with it and it can be really horrible
1: yeah, i know so many of you feel like you love to make or you love to create but you hate to share or you hate to think about how to get your work seen out there and i'm in exactly the same boat like i it's actually a funny situation because because I see Amy and I see our business and I, I like to strategize for the business when it's not me. Like I like to come up with ideas when it's not me and I feel like I can do that and I'm like Amy should do this, Amy should do that. As soon as it's me I'm like oh fuck that.
0: Yeah. Are you really shut down um, mm. when it comes to how to get your your art out there? Um, you don't like you have such a, like a joy and a thirst for um, you know, ideas for our business, ideas for my art, but it's just a different board game when it comes to your books.
1: Yeah, it is. I just, I lose all perspective. I have got no ability to now. I'm like, oh, well, what's the point? Like my writing's shit anyway. I didn't think that the whole way through when I was writing it, but as soon as I finished the project, I'm like, I convinced it's shit. Like I'm really, I, I, don't, I love it the whole way through. Then I'm like, it's terrible. Everyone's going to hate it anyway. And then I'm like, well, what's the point of even submitting it to anyone? Cause it just sucks. And then like, mm. I know I thought that I know, At least partially lies yeah but it's just i don't know why this section triggers me
0: i think it triggers a lot of creatives in that last part particularly if you're choosing to go down like a gatekeeper route so you're submitting your work to other people like there's something about the vulnerability and also the kind of feeling of being small and insignificant that that process like makes you feel that just makes you hate your art makes you hate the process makes you just want to give up like there's just something about that part of the creative process that can make you feel like shit.
1: yeah I sometimes feel bitter as well. Like I feel like I've, I've helped so many writers. Like Whenever someone sends me writing, whatever I, like, I'm always like, yes, I'll read it. I'll read your whole book for you. And i turn around. I feel like whenever I send someone else writing, they just don't read it. Mm. And then they, I hear nothing from them. And then it's just gone. I'm like, well, it must be either shit or people just don't care about me.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's really hard. You are an extremely generous um, creator in that way. You always read other people's work. And you're oh. always giving feedback.
1: Yeah, it's just annoying.
0: Yeah, it's very valid. I'm really sorry you're feeling that way, but honestly, it is really valid. It's
1: okay. I mean, this is why I start another project straight away because, like, I know that the only thing that's going to get me through the the end part of one project is starting another project. Yeah. Like, I'm only getting through trying to think about submitting my second novel by writing my third novel.
0: Yeah. Do you also take comfort in the fact that you know that for you, like these uh, spells of thinking my work is shit and this is wasteful, like? They they're, they tend to be short.
1: Oh my god, it'll be gone in two days. Or oh, it'll be gone by the afternoon. Like, and I might come back into it again. Like, it's when I'm really confronted with. Oh my god, I've got to go look for agents mm. and find them and write them an email. That's like a huge resistance point for me. That's I mean, the main for me thing. too.
0: I mean, it makes me feel physically sick. And then for me, like more than um, like sadness, like pure rage. <laughs> I just feel like it's very. Anger. I feel
1: like it's like cleaning the toilet or something. It's a really unpleasant task. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's just i just want to i just really want to procrastinate this part of it like yeah. i just i i wish there was somewhere I, I wish i could just pay someone like 500 bucks and they just did it all for me yeah I'd happily do that
0: me and james talk about this service a lot and we really think there's a gap in the market if anyone ever wants to start up a new business there is a market to supporting authors submitting their novels <laughs> like no one wants to do that part it's incredibly emotionally taxing why isn't there people who are like offering that service and they just don't exist and mm. i and like i reckon you get you could make money with it
1: probably because it would be a horrible job
0: yeah it would be so boring but i'm just saying it's a job it'd be that something someone you could, could make you could probably
1: do with the tv on in the background i guess
0: yeah oh the, my the, god
1: the hard part i think is like you'd have to read someone's whole book so that you could really sell it so that you could then like tailor each response to each individual publisher
0: it would really work for a certain type of personality someone who's very detailed or into someone who's just like really good at like the small things which yes, like which is we neither are of us like, we are so big picture so, so bad when at it comes it. Down,
1: it's like when you come down to structuring a novel or you know even like macro ideas of what could make my novel appealing are fine but it's like as soon as it's actually specific ideas of how it can relate to a single person mm. just breaks down
0: yeah it's so hard Anyway, I think I'm really glad you shared that because I think it's pretty universal experience for all creators to move through. And I just want to remind everyone how valid it is, how crappy it really can be, and how gentle you need to be when you're moving through it because it just is total trash.
1: That also just is a sign to me that I just do really love writing because, like, I don't really care like that I'm I might do a shit job. Of, I mean, I know you you get so angry, but I don't really care if I'm gonna do a shit job of writing this of um, submitting this novel because, like, I'm still gonna keep writing. I'm still going to keep really loving that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I just,
1: that's not going to hold me back. It's not going to hold me back from that.
0: Yeah. The only reason why I get frustrated at that is from an outsider's perspective. Um, I see, um, like, I want your work to be connecting with people because i know it has such a huge potential to connect but you hide away from that last part because it is so shit and you're like well let's just move on to the next thing which is amazing because you're so process driven and that is the way that you're going to write you know like literally dozens and dozens of incredible novels um but then that last part is hard because and i want to like support you through that last part because i want to make sure that you give the books the biggest chance they can get
1: Hmm. i don't don't think also it's not a fear of success thing it's literally a fear of this one part of the process, like it's literally a fear of just, like I don't even care when the when the rejection letters come in. I don't care. Mm. Like it's literally just a fear of doing a bad, like or doing not a bad job, like doing an annoying task.
0: Yeah, you have a very big resistance to doing tasks that you don't want to do.
1: I hugely. Yeah, it's like, interesting. It's an, uh, it's unfortunate.
0: <laughs> it's unfortunate.
1: <laughs> I still do the podcast, don't I? You like the podcast? Know, I'm joking. Hey. I love the podcast.
0: All right, guys, let's dive into the topic today. And it's inspired from an Instagram post that I made uh, last week, which was talking about the fact that creators nowadays are really fed the story that if you want to be a successful artist, successful creative, successful entrepreneur, that that you're going to need a really large social media following. And so I put it out to um, the people who follow me and said, are you...
1: Sorry, just correcting Amy's mic stance once for the fifth podcast in a row.
0: And I asked them, like... Who's here is a successful creator with a small social media following? Let's hear your stories. And I was just completely, I mean, I wasn't surprised, but it was just the most wonderful thing reading all of these artists' stories of like profound success with small social followings. And these were creators who were selling to social followings. They had a really committed, small crowd. And this is something that I just want to invite all creators, myself and James included, about the power of connecting really well to a small amount of people. Seth Godin would call it like the smallest no he wouldn't. minimum viable audience. Minimum viable, but also he calls it like your true yeah yeah
1: you're a thousand true fans but I yeah. think like depending on what product you're selling you could have even you could have, you way, have less. way less
0: yeah
1: I mean if you're selling ten thousand dollar products you could have ten true fans exactly or like, one true fan really
0: we just I want to invite all of us to just look at you know are we searching for this like you know absurd amount of numbers the followers on instagram the amount of sales and do we need them can we actually put our energy into focusing on you know the people who we have here now how can we foster our relationship with them how can we make them you know be enticed and enchanted by what it is that we're creating And how can we get them over the line to connect with what we're making rather than just constantly trying to grow bigger and bigger because we believe that bigger and bigger is the only way that we can be successful as a creative
1: yeah do you want to share some of the responses that we had or yeah, do you want me I to talk a little bit more about the the general point first
0: no i want to share some of these stories okay, i cool. think so i'm just going to read out some of these comments here and just to remind us all of how possible this is um i've got one here from kate meyer who says i have less than a thousand followers on all three of my accounts and i've gotten an amazon orange banner on almost every single one of my book releases so what that means is basically she's uh in the top i think it's top 10 uh amazon Um, in her category in her category you know so an incredibly successful uh, books on Amazon Rachel Rose says I earned 40k from my business when I had under 3k followers and 80 percent of income came through sales through Insta so she earned 40,000 dollars you know through 3,000 people connecting with 3,000 people on Instagram like 80 percent of her sales came through that and I just think that's just a beautiful example of you know Rachel's an incredible woman actually I love her she's connecting and really connecting with the people that she has. Like, how are you fostering the relationship with your 100 followers right now so that they're completely and utterly intoxicated with the art that you're making and who it is that you are?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at Amy's social media as well, it's like, I think you see that Amy has, what, 70,000 plus followers at the moment. And you think, well, they must all be engaged customers. And it's like, Amy's actually got quite a broad message, I think, to artists generally, which is a great thing for social media followers, but it's not necessarily the most converty thing. Like, I, I would say... Amy's percentage of conversion would be lower than a lot of these artists. And that's because like you just, Amy casts a wide net mm. and sorry, I'm referring to you in the third person here. Okay. Um, it's just because anyone forgot who I was talking to. <laughs> um, and you, um, which isn't a, not a bad thing, but I think it's, you connect to a lot of people, but I don't think it necessarily is like the best at fostering sales. So, you know, your post the other day that we talking, we've talked about a few times, like the Euro Olympics post, which brought in 20,000 followers. Yeah. Like, I don't, if anything, not yet. You, yeah, if if anything, like it, it would at least it's at least going to take a long time to foster some of those into sales, and yeah. it definitely is an immediate. Like, no,
0: I haven't seen any change in income from that.
1: Yes, and it's like, so what's the value of twenty thousand followers on Instagram then? For I me, mean,
0: immediately just then. I mean, again, like I'm hoping to foster relationships with these new people who are following me, um, and if you are one of them, I'm so grateful that you're here. Um, but immediately, those twenty thousand followers didn't equate to cash. Yes, and like that's just I think a story that we are told. Like, oh, they've got two hundred thousand followers; they must be rolling in it.
1: Whereas if you have quite a targeted message and if you are really targeting I mean this is when we you know we know we talk about niching down a lot and versus going broad and how there are benefits to both, but if you do niche down, if you do have a really specific message and if you do have a really clear product offering then that's the sort of thing where you might be actually converting a much greater proportion of your followers or a much greater proportion of your audience.
0: And even if you are a multidisciplinary artist and you have multiple things that you want to share with people, that doesn't mean that you can't be successful with a small audience. I think it's just, it's about them being committed to who you are as an artist, which is what I say to all multidisciplinary creators is like get them intoxicated with you so they have to have whatever it is that you make whether it be music art, books like whatever um, you know disciplines that you play within like get them in love with you get those 200 followers in love with who you are um, and they're going to want to you know soak up whatever it is you put out there
1: I think this is a point where um, visual artists have a huge advantage because you put a piece of visual art onto your grid and it's like, wow, this is something that, and you know, and it's available for sale. It's like, wow, this is something I could buy right now. Mm. When Amy shares a love note, it's like, doesn't have a clear, I could buy this right now. Yeah,
0: like who is this? Which
1: is, once again, as I say, like- There's pros and cons. There are pros and cons. I think it's really, we we like to give out a lot of free content. I think that's like part of the model. Yeah. Um, And of course, um, visual artists do as well, but it's just like, if you see someone offering commissions, in visual art and then you go into their page and it's like you can see all Filled the art, the that art done, and then yeah. that's like a direct that's a direct pitch yeah. for you essentially to buy their art yeah, which is, cool. and you know and and visual artists can potentially sell higher value yeah visual artists content. you
0: know there are a few visual artists here that are doing very very well with a small amount of followers I'm going to keep reading mm. some of them the ginger poet so Jasmine she's a beautiful incredible poet I have her book under 1.5k followers and still collecting those book royalties You know, she's still making money off of her art. Um, We had a, I had a private message from uh, a writer and a, she taught writing as well. And she had $50,000 in one month. Her last month, she'd earned $50,000 in a single month uh, with under 2000 followers. And it was all converting on Instagram. Like that is unreal. Mm. So cool.
1: So cool. Yeah. And you, it, it comes down to nailing your product offering and nailing your, um, nailing what people see when they come onto your page Mm. and um i also just want to say quickly that you know if you're not someone who is looking to sell on your instagram that's also totally fine like you can just treat this as a general interest thing i'm sure there are also you know things that could help you yeah um to connect, just like, just generally to connect with more people. Yeah, uh, you know, of course. Sales and money doesn't have to be the focus of what you're looking for from Instagram. No,
0: not at all. And again, last week I was speaking a lot about how you've got to use social media the way you want to. And there's so many rules and regulations about how you use social media, but you've got to use it how you want to use it. And I really hope that if you are trying to make money through your art, that these stories, um, you know, inspire you to do it your way because you don't need to be panning to like you know the masses here you can be um you know you can still be successful with the small people who love it how you do it
1: yeah we we talked to um we just interviewed uh, dr devon price and their interview is going to be up on our platform next week after the week after this one um we just didn't want to do two interviews in a row so we're doing this one in the middle to give you a little bit of a palate cleanser um but they were talking about how they just don't give a fuck like their instagram is just whatever they want to do like they'll post their special interests they'll post you know article you know that if you go on their medium it's just whatever's got on their mind at the moment but they do it in such a raw authentic way mm. that it attracts it doesn't it probably scares off a lot more people like they probably could have a much bigger social media following but they the people they attract are like loyal yeah super loyal so loyal and will buy any book that they put out and you know and engaged. Engage, like their their engagement their engagement figures are off the chart compared to a lot of the like really big uh, Instagram pages. So I think that also, I mean, listen to the conversation, but uh, next week, but they've got a lot of really good insights there. And and I love that part of our conversation with them.
0: Yeah, me too. Shelley here says I'm an abstract landscaper painter and I have a small account under 2000 followers. I consistently have sales through Instagram, Um, always working and trying to connect with the followers that I do have. And there was um, another artist. I can't find it here but they were saying that they are fully booked till 2023 from commissions under 2000
1: followers amazing so
0: fucking cool you know i think
1: we think oh if i if i have a ten dollar product it's going to sell 10 times more than a hundred dollar product and it's going to sell 100 times more than a thousand dollar product that is not true at all you actually i mean like the weird thing is um and the way that say that we've seen it is that um people will buy your a course which is much more valuable as many people will buy amy's course as they will buy one of her we need your art books mm. maybe probably not quite as many but it's not like the course is something like almost 10 times more expensive well the we need your course is 10 times more expensive than what we need your book it does it does not get a tenth of the sales
0: yeah no it not gets at more
1: all. than that like there's people who value you if you uh, if you work in, to make a good product that people will value if you put yourself out there if you develop knowledge and you share that knowledge and people like you, and they like your message. They're not doing that internal math. Like we know this from behavioral psychology. Like we have a very <laughs> imprecise relationship with dollars and value. Like we're mm-hmm. not just we're not just these raw algorithmic um, price machines. Like there's a lot more going on under the hood, and we are much more concerned with. Um, how we personally feel about a product, how we personally feel about the person that we're buying from than we are about simple dollars and cents. Mm. So it's like, yes, if you if you only have a $10 offerings, you're not going to suddenly get huge volume. You're actually better off having a few, if you can, having a few large offerings. All the different in your price points. Yes. Yeah, so that's why we deliberately have quite a few price points. So you can, depending on your budget, you can buy a few thing, different things from us. But um, we probably make our, most of our money from courses.
0: Yeah. Definitely. I mean that,
1: that's actually not it's interesting because historically over the over the course of our whole p- business it's been pretty much a third, a third, a third between books. Um like between Books and Avis website. Between Course, the courses and, and between membership, membership. Yeah. so it's pretty much a third each. So that, and that's why we talk about having multiple income streams as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. This is um, this conversation you could very easily pull into another conversation. We had a big big week on Instagram, just incredible conversations. We also had a discussion about um, pricing stuff and just how you know many people find pricing their art just the biggest piece of resistance and they just find it so intimidating and like they're never going to get it right they always want to underprice. um and i had a question box on my instagram stories that said and i just was like what what would you what would you like to price your art at and what is your art and you know and then i asked people would you pay this and people will pay these premium prices
1: yeah 100 percent. people will <laughs> sorry another mic moment with amy
0: People will pay these prices. Like, you know, someone was like, I just want to, I've, you know, make homemade mugs, but, you know, they're really expensive to make and they take a lot of time. So I want to ask $40 for it, you know? And no, not everyone will pay $40 for a, a mug, but... It
1: doesn't matter. It doesn't like, matter. You can't make your product and about what everyone's going to want. Like, you only need 100 people to buy your $40 mug mm. and you've made $4,000, you know? Yeah. So it's like, that's awesome. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to invite people to start looking at that pricing to start investigating if they're holding yourself back there Mm. i have a real problem with wanting everyone to like me and i know a lot of artists are very similar like this there's there's something about creatives in this way there's something about humans in this and the idea that like someone would say no that course is too expensive and i don't know why that's worth it you know like to me it's like oh my god that's so embarrassing for me or that's that's really insulting to me that they would think that when, you know, you know, hundreds of people disagree with that opinion. And if I, you know, chose to worry about the fact that, yeah, some people are going to think my courses are too expensive and useless. I've seen the comments on Facebook, like the Facebook advertising, you know, comment section is a fucking hole of people just being like absolute dicks.
1: My favorite one was from an old man who was like, $189 for a book? What? And, and I was like, it's not a book. <laughs> <laughs> they just <didn't>
0: understand. <laughs> it's a, such a it's a wild place when yeah. we go in to check our comments on there, but you know if I had always you know if we price our products and if we value our products and if we show up on social media or just in general if we take up space worrying about the people that we're going to, you know piss off the people that we're going to you know push away the people who are going to think we're idiots the people who are going to think we're too expensive like we're going to stay so small and this is something that i've got to work on a lot is yeah we're gonna we're gonna make people uncomfortable we're gonna make people not like us and and that's a really mandatory part of what we're doing um and that's really icky and i think you know i've got to take that to my journal and I, i'm guessing a lot of you guys might want to take it to the journal too like is the thought of putting people off stopping you from taking up space as you want
1: and you, you've got to also price your work appropriately for the time and effort you've put into it, you know? Mm. Like, people look at $189 for a course and they might think that's a lot. Um, that took a lot. You know, we had to pay a videographer. We had to pay someone to help, to do the website for us for the course. We had to pay for editing. Yeah. We had to pay um, for, the venue. for the venue. You know, we put thousands of dollars into that course before it even got on sale. Yeah. And then not, not to mention, you know, tens and tens of hours into planning the course and shooting the course. Like, yeah. that's... You should be rewarded for your time. If Mm. you've put 100 hours into a piece of art, you should be rewarded commensurately. Like Mm. you should price yourself appropriately. And if you've spent, you know, X dollars on equipment, factor that in.
0: Definitely factor it in. You've got to make
1: a profit. You've got to make a profit.
0: Another thing that was really interesting from the responses to this, you know, how much do you want to price your art for and what is it? um was that you know people were like i want to i want to price my watercolor at thirty dollars a piece and a lot of people said no they wouldn't buy it but then they dm'd me and said well i would never buy a piece of an original piece of art for thirty dollars it's ridiculously cheap i'd be like why the fuck is it that cheap why doesn't this artist value themselves like the low pricing was pissing people off and i got like dozens of messages saying no i wouldn't buy that for that much it's It's too cheap if
1: i go on someone's website and they're underpricing i'm like what's What's wrong yeah what's wrong
0: with this person like why aren't they back why aren't they taking up space it almost feels like an embarrassing like i feel like i've walked into an apologetic space and that's not a very attractive you know energy to put out when you're trying to bring someone in to connect with your art like an apologetic energy
1: you know like an example is in our everyday life is you know amy and i wanted to buy new light bulbs because light bulbs were annoying us because i really hate bright fluorescent i I hate bright white light it really makes me uncomfortable it makes me gives me sensory overload so we spent you know $50 a light bulb on these incredible light bulbs to get five of these cool light bulbs that were like I could put to any tone I wanted to that's going to add huge value to my life I didn't want to get a shitty light bulb I wanted to spend 50 fucking dollars on a light bulb so I did it like but and I don't do that for everything in my life but I do it for the things I value you yeah. know it's yeah. all about what do you value like people certain people do love to spend their money on certain things like yeah. people people you know you might spend your money on something else for leisure um, You might go to the movies all the time, but someone else might not go to the movies ever. And all they like to do is spend money on expensive mugs. You know, those people are out there.
0: And it's wonderful. And we're also different. And it's not yeah. bad that some people won't pay what you ask for, you mm. know, because you just got to find the people that will.
1: Yeah, there's something that Amy and I always have arguments about, which is like, Amy goes, I don't think anyone would buy that. I don't think anyone would consume that or vice versa. And then the other person's like, well, that's because you personally wouldn't do it. You don't know. Like, we've got to think about what other people are going to do. And
0: A really big journey I've been on through, you know, being an entrepreneur and a creative is knowing that people purchase things differently to me and people like you know are different to me in terms of how they interact with art like for example like I just will not fucking buy from Instagram ads I don't and Facebook ads and so for me at the beginning I was like why would we do this <laughs>
1: it's not true because I feel like occasionally one will really hit you hard yeah, like once every six <laughs> what's months like, damn it
0: what's another thing that I get annoyed at like
1: mailing lists you don't oh yeah in oh my lists. god I don't
0: believe in mailing lists I will never read someone's email even if I love them with my whole heart and I buy all their art all the time if they send me a fucking mailing list I will never read that but our mailing list is our biggest converter yeah. but every time I'm emailing I'm like oh my god if I receive this email I'll just don't, it's go straight in the bin yeah <laughs>
1: Worse, it's like reporters junk. <laughs> I know, but that's know.
0: just not how I can how I connect, and that doesn't mean that's not how other people connect. And we have to be wary of that because it definitely gets in my way all the time. And luckily, James and you know other people that we employ to support us, they pull me up on that.
1: Like we have we're having a multi, we've had a multi-week discussion at the moment. Amy's releasing another podcast, um, a paid podcast, where she sits with you. It's like literally, we're going to release it every single day, and it's Amy. She sits with you, and by the end of the podcast after the five minutes, you've sat down at your desk and you're ready to write. So it's her really like basically giving you a pep talk every day. It's literally different every day. Um, obviously requires a huge amount of time and effort. So we want to pay for it. We want people to pay for it. Um, we think we could offer a lot of value. And But the thing is, like, how do we monetize it? Like, do we try and get ads? Well, Amy thinks, Amy's like, well, ads, I don't care about ads. I just skip them. Whereas I hate ads. Yeah. I'll do anything. Like If I could pay for a podcast, I'd do. Any podcast I like, if there's an option to pay for a free version, I always, 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 always do it um by the way we're planning on keeping unpublished oh yeah um,
0: is she's yeah
1: don't stress yeah don't <laughs> um but you know and then amy's so and then we, we're deciding you know do we want people to pay a monthly subscription do we want them to pay a one-off thing like do we want them to pay um, or do we, do we want to look into ads like things like this that
0: and we have to look at you know not, just, not, not just our own opinion <laughs>
1: yes yeah
0: which is so hard to do yeah and even the platforms we put it on us like well i would never use that so we can't do it yeah
1: do we want to separate like do we oh, is it okay if it's a really like, there's a really good platform but you have to download your own app and amy's like that's a deal breaker for me Whereas I'm like, I, I don't download apps all the time i don't give a fuck um and then, but then the other platform, which is really good, where you don't have to download an app, it doesn't have Spotify. So then, you know, there are all these trade-offs to all these things you're going to do. Um, and, it's, you, and you can't just look at what your own preference is. You've got to yeah. really try and think about what other people are going to like. Which and the is really range hard. of
0: people. And also, like, at the end of the day, like, you just won't know, and you're just going to have to buy the bullet. And also because people are so different, as we've just been saying, and everyone's going to have a different preference for, for how they like to consume and connect with art. Like, you're not going to nail it for everyone. And are you going to be okay with that? I've got to really ask myself that question regularly. Are you okay with this not landing with everyone? Because you're mm. going to have to be. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Mm. I know. It's like, you, whatever you release, you're going to get a bad review. You're going to get people who want a refund. Like, yeah. Like, thank God we don't get that many, but you know, we've had to give out a few refunds before yeah. people just like, didn't like the course. <laughs> like no explanation. I'm like, okay, do you want a refund? They're like, yes. I'm like, okay, bye. And you just have to just,
0: of course it happens you know it just, just happens. happens you can't
1: take it personally right people's not not everything's for everyone
0: no not everything's for everyone yeah i want to get more and more comfortable with that
1: but please if you email me asking for a refund can we at least have a chat like yeah like just happened? say hi like, at least
0: sorry this didn't resonate just
1: tell me i just want to know I actually in a much better mood than when we started
0: that's good jamesy
1: yeah so i think it's just like the main takeaway is you don't need a million people buying Baby,
0: no you don't thing. need you don't need tens of thousands of people with eyes on you yeah um and so many of us as well we function so much better with small audiences because we aren't made to be watched by so many eyes yeah. um and you know can you create a community that is just like wholesome and invested and and loves to be in your space um you know with a couple hundred or a couple thousand people who are just there intentionally um
1: yeah yeah i also just wanted to reiterate for like you know the time, but a big audience doesn't guarantee that gatekeepers will like you. Like, no. <gasps>
0: That's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Okay, can I take over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a comment that was like, yeah, but publishers will look at your social media numbers and gatekeepers will look at your social media numbers. Um. I literally, publishers do not give a flying fuck that I have a, a larger social following. They don't ask about it. If I mention it, they don't give a fuck. They don't care about my mailing list. They just don't care. I don't know what it is, but if you are trying to get a large social following so that publishers will pick you, like, it just, either I haven't hit the numbers that they're interested in yet, or like, I, I don't know. But it promise you, it's a really bad thought process to go down because it's just, it doesn't equate to uh, traditional success in that way.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, we haven't ever heard, like, it's not like just because Amy has over 50,000 Instagram followers, publishers are suddenly knocking on the door. Like, it's just not a thing.
0: It's literally the opposite. Like, I feel like, I don't know. They just you know, don't They care. hate you more. <laughs> I feel like they
1: hate me more. Uh, but I would say said that there's a little bit of an effect. It's like they don't t- do think take see you as seriously because it's yeah. like or like they see they're like it's some kind of weird sno- snobbery or something. It's like, oh, well, real artist son on Instagram. I
0: know. That's what it feels like. Honestly, there's a little bit of rage there. But, yeah. you know, we've all got healing to do. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Ooh, that bit me. Hmm. Um, Thank you for being here, guys. We're very grateful for you. Um, Go gently in yourselves. Um, yeah, foster the relationships that you have. Connect with the people who are going to need you and they are out there.
1: Yeah, and also, I just wanted to say, you know, we've got these new mics and I'm always on Amy's case for the new mics. If you notice anything about me on the mic, I think Amy <laughs> would really enjoy if you told... <laughs> just,
0: James's mic sounds like shit. I'm like,
1: I'm always like treating it as if I'm perfect on the mic. and Amy's Yeah, guys,
0: like, we'd really love some reviews. And if at the end of the reviews, you're like, yeah, it was a great podcast, but James's James mic you can't sounds. use the mic. There's something wrong with him.
1: Yeah, or even if you wanted to tell, to, I mean, tips on how to get the most out of our new good mics. James, why
0: awesome. are you so obsessed with these mics?
1: Because we've spent a bazillion dollars on them.
0: Yeah, but they, we sound good.
1: I know, but just the thing, little things like I don't know how to get the gain setting perfect, and I don't know how. Like I feel like there's a trade-off between if we're really close, and then you get lots of popping sounds with the mouth, and and like s's are much more salient, but the other, the rest of the sounds sound better. But if you're far away like this, like. It's just hard. I'm not, you know, I'm not a sound engineer. I have literally no idea what the. I want rules. I want someone to tell me the five steps to getting the most out of your mic. If someone can message me on the unpublished Instagram, <laughs> say that what are the five steps for getting the most out of your mic? I will love you forever. I'll give you a free mini Art course. Hey,
0: now you can offer of one only. One first person only. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.
1: Bye, guys.